0: Live on the Freak Radio Network, broadcasting from the Lucas Oil Studios, driven
1: by General Tire.
0: It's Speed Freaks Motorsports Radio, redefined. With Kenny Sargent, aging Dr. Deucebag, Crash Gladys, getting crash position, and Statman. Don't overdrive the car. Here's the Freaks.
2: Oh, no, freak.
3: How you doing, Freak Nation? 20-plus years of Speed Freaks, and you've been a part of this big old thing all along. It's okay. You can admit it. You've been a Freak Nation member for almost 21 years. Statman, Crash Gladys, Kenny Sargent, big damn show for you tonight. Speaking of 20 years, how about 50 years? It's been 50 years since Mario Andretti won his first Formula One race. The South African Grand Prix. It happened yesterday, 50 years ago. So, Crasher was on it and booked an interview with Mario Andretti. I bet this thing's going to drag on for about 30 minutes,
1: Crasher.
2: Oh, you know it will because he's got so much to tell. There's a good article. It's it's a short article, surprisingly, from Robin Miller on racer.com. About the 50th win, but I have a feeling, yeah, we will go a little bit longer with Mario because he's just got so much to tell, so much history. It's bizarre to me that just two years ago, we were celebrating Mario's Indy 500 win, the 50th anniversary of his Indy 500 win, and then... He kind of dabbled in F1 for uh, four-ish years before getting his first win in 1971, like you said, March 6th, 1971, 50 years ago this weekend. And that's pretty much, I mean, you could argue, was it the Indy 500 win or was it his first Formula One win that vaulted his career into the stratosphere? I mean, this F1 win Mm -hmm. was what enabled him to demand big contracts in all of his racing career in all of his racing gigs. So it wasn't the 500 win. So, uh, yeah, it's just there's so much that that has gone on in Mario Andretti's anniversary celebrations over the last couple of years that made him who he is and what we know.
3: Kyle Larson grabs his first win with Rick Hendrick, Hendrick Motorsports in Las Vegas earlier this afternoon. And Statman, do I dare ask, 50 years ago, do you remember Mario Andretti's first Formula One win? <sighs>
4: No, I don't, but I remember the series always going to South America, to uh, uh, to South Africa, to start the season, and the Kailami and how many drivers loved that racetrack. But, the you, Crash, you mentioned the Miller article. The craziest thing that I walked away from that with was he asked for and received, apparently, Ten thousand dollars per point. Right? That from Lotus, which means that in that that time frame in the late seventies, he got I think it was six hundred and seventy thousand dollars. He had six six hundred and seventy sixty seven points, six hundred and seventy thousand dollars from Lotus the year he won the national the uh, world championship. Just stunning that was an awful lot of money in 1978
2: yeah exactly i was gonna say people right now are like big deal no that was a ton of money back then and that was the number one contract in formula one back then so yeah that's just crazy to me
3: that is hard for me to understand again kyle larson grabs a win in las vegas the nascar cup series lucas oil studios you can connect with us on twitter of course facebook the website speedfreaks.tv that still blows me away when you hear numbers like that for uh, compared to today, but again,
2: almost a hundred million dollars. Hello, Lewis Hamilton. Yeah,
3: almost. But it's again, it's Mario Andretti, and 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 there's there's not much argument out there. I'm sure Stat will find some dang <laughs> ob- oblivious rally driver that's better than Mario <laughs> Andretti. <laughs>
2: <But, laughs> some. Oblivious, no. No, he not would oblivious. Would be a multi time yeah. champion. Uh, yeah.
3: you, so, who, is there a rally driver, Statman, that's better than Mario?
4: Ooh. Well, I, that, that depends oh. on what you're asking. <laughs> you know, Sebastian Loeb won nine straight mm-hmm. championships. Uh, I, did, did Mario Andretti win nine straight championships at anything? You ever win nine straight races? Okay,
2: hold on. Could Sebastian Loeb do it on an oval? Could he pull five, six, ten G's on an oval? Could he do Indianapolis? Could he do Daytona like Mario did? Different disciplines. Come on, Sebastian. Get outside your comfort zone of rally. Five
4: words, Statman. Ding, ding, ding. He did drive (laughs) sports cars and uh, did well at it. Uh, I I don't think he won a championship in uh, touring cars, but he did did step out of his comfort zone. He went up the hill at uh, Pike's Peak 20 was almost 30 seconds faster than the computer said was possible. So, yeah, he stepped out of his comfort zone on a couple of things, (laughs) but uh, I, I don't know. I don't. he's not he's not one of the best drivers in world history like. Mario, our friend of the freaks.
2: Only one way to settle it: Mario Andretti versus Sebastian Loeb at the Big Go NHRA U.S. Nationals drag racing. Go! Speed
0: it would be cool to put a we promise on. to suck less. Speed freaks, Motorsports we- Radio, redefined the freaks.
3: Welcoming in another round of affiliates here in the Freak Nation. How you doing, man? Crash Gladys, Statman, Kenny Sargent. You follow us on Twitter, Facebook, the website, speedfreaks.tv. Coming up in about eight minutes. Grabbed himself an eighth spot in Las Vegas this afternoon. William Byron, NASCAR Cup star, will be joining us here in the Freak Nation. And teammate of your winner, Kyle Larson, William Byron, will be joining us here in the Freak Nation. Crash Gladys Fit News and Notes, brought to you by our good friends... At General Tire, do yourself a favor, your family a favor, with your friends when they're rolling with you in your SUV or your big old fat F-250, and roll on General Tires. Go to GeneralTire.com. That's GeneralTire.com to check out the righteous tires for your righteous
2: ride. Crasher. Well, the NASCAR weekend in Las Vegas started with the Truck Series. IndyCar regular Connor Daly caught fire while the race was dominated by Kyle Busch Motorsports. Both Kyle and his co-driver, John Hunter Nemechek won a stage. And it was Nemechek with the checkered flag at the end. His first win in four years. In the Xfinity Series, there were 12 laps left on the final restart. And that's when AJ Allmendinger took full advantage, cruising to an epic and pretty emotional win in front of the fans in Las Vegas. Emotional because this kind of shocked me. He said he just doesn't know when his last win of his career may be. He certainly hopes Vegas yesterday won't be it. Then in the cup race, it was Kyle Larson making himself the 20th different winner in Rick Hendrick's stable. But get this, no one has won as quickly as Larson has now done in just four starts. Yeah, just what may that mean moving forward? Kyle Larson has been the king of the bridesmaids on one and a half mile tracks until today, where he won his first of most likely many more to come in Las Vegas. Supercross race Daytona where the crowd was limited, but for its limits, it was sold out and screaming like crazy when they witnessed Eli Tomac grab a record-tying fifth win at the Speedway Supercross event. And for the first time ever, of course, in this COVID world, Daytona hosted a 250 West round where Cameron McAdoo snagged his first win in the 250 class. Speaking of COVID-19, IMS opened as, of course, Indianapolis I'm talking about, opened as a mass vaccination site for the single-dose Johnson & Johnson shot on Friday and suffice it to say, just about everyone who anyone in motorsports in the city of Indianapolis got vaccinated. So, yes, despite some of you saying the Indy 500 will be moved later in the summer, uh-uh. It's going off in 85 days, May 30th, in Indy.
3: William Byron, next.
0: Motorsports Radio, redefined.
2: Freak Nation, for over 100 years, General Tire has provided tires for your lifestyle, your adventure, your everywhere. From the aggressive Mud Terrain Grabber X3... To the all-terrain performance of the Grabber ATX, even to the strong and durable all-purpose terrain Grabber APX, General Tire balances excellent on-road performance with off-road capabilities designed for all weather conditions. Remember, with General Tire, anywhere is possible. For more information, drive over to GeneralTire.com.
5: It's called a tune-up in a bottle for a good reason. One little bottle added to every tank of fuel will do the work of a team of mechanics. The powerful combination of oils and additives in Lucas Fuel Treatment cleans and lubricates the entire fuel system while increasing power and fuel economy because it's burning excess exhaust emissions. Lucas Oil Fuel Treatment is the best and simplest way to get your vehicle to perform at its peak and keep the army of mechanics away a little longer. Keep that engine
6: alive with Lucas Oil. Tasha, did you know GEICO could save you hundreds on car insurance and a whole lot more? So what are you waiting for? Hip-hop group tag team to help you plan dessert? Aww, uh, fresh vanilla, rocky road, chocolate, peanut butter, cookie dough. Scoop, yeah Scoop, it is. Scoop, it is. Scoop, it is. Scoop,
4: yeah it is. Chaka-laka, chaka-laka, chaka-laka,
6: chaka-laka. GEICO, switch today and see all the ways you could save
4: is more valuable today there's less time to keep our vehicles looking their best that's where lucas oil slick mist speed wax steps up it's great for paint chrome glass and vinyl lucas oil slick mist simply mists on and then wipes off leaving a new car shine every time it's quick and easy and works on wet or dry surfaces for a complete detail there's also slick mist interior or slick mist tire and trim shine lucas oil it works
7: You're TV.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Your soap is and your body wash is a synthetic detergent. But you're not a dish. You're a man. Switch to Dr. Squatch Natural Soap for Men. For men who build things. Open pickle jars on the first try. Slay dragons. And let their daughters braid their hair. Men who like to feel good and smell. Titillating. Dr. Squatch takes you places you never
0: thought you'd go. Naked. You are listening to Speed Freaks Motorsports Radio, Redefined. Oh
1: yeah!
3: You want yeah. Come on, yeah! Lucas Studios, Freak Nation, been doing this for twenty years. Statman, Crash, Gladys. Kenny Sargent. You follow us on Twitter at Speed Freaks, Facebook, and of course, Instagram, the website speedfreaks.tv. He's been the Freak Nation before, but not often, usually when he has a big win. It's William Byron running for Hendrick Motorsports, got himself a big win last weekend. Uh, and the, the stories that are coming out of this win, William, are nuts from Homestead. First of all, a 28 to 1 odds, uh, you're, you're at 28 to 1 to win this race. If I would have bet a hundred bucks on your Broham, I would have had some lunch for about half the year at $2,800. What's up with that?
8: <laughs> yeah, no, that was uh it was good, good execution for us. And it was funny. I saw some of that stuff. So always, uh, always good to have a little motivation going in. So that was, uh, it was nice to, nice to see us have a, you know, have that run and just, we had an awesome, awesome weekend really. So definitely really thankful for the, for the guys and all they did and, and um, just to execute a smooth, solid race like that and, and get the win is really cool.
2: I remember you saying that you had worked on the Homestead track over the off season. What other tracks did you work on? Of course, we're talking about some racing or with your rig. What other tracks did you work on over the off season that you felt like you could improve on from the 2020 season to 2021?
8: Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot, you know, really every racetrack that we kind of struggled more than we wanted to We, we want to try to improve, so I think Richmond comes to mind. You know some of the other racetracks, but yeah, I mean, you know we're we're looking forward to every racetrack. Really, we we want to try to do better than than last year. So um, I'm I'm excited about each one coming up, and hopefully we can, you know, just uh just have it have all the hard work pay off. Freak
3: Nation, his name is William Byron. Got himself a big win at Homestead last weekend. And you look at Daytona, the road course, Daytona 500. Pretty much sucked hind boob with those first two races. And then all of a sudden, you and Rudy Fugel, your crew chief, you hooked it up. When did you know that you had a car that could win this damn race?
8: I think, honestly, just the, the first run. I mean, just the, the way the car fell on the bottom of the racetrack and um, starting 31st you know and it being able to get to 12th and by the lap 25 so that was uh that was a huge deal to pass that many cars and i haven't i i don't think i've done that ever in my cup career being able to pass that easily and that that effectively so it was um it was a lot of fun and you know definitely kind of knew at that point that i had something really good
4: William Byron many don't know you have a past relationship with your current crew chief Rudy Fugel when he came with you into the Cup Series were you able to communicate with him better and that might be a reason for your current success Well I
8: think just like you know our bond together uh definitely he can he can listen to what I say on the radio and really um you know understand the magnitude of the adjustments that we need so I feel like that's the biggest thing um is is that and you know just uh just having that that feedback and that openness with each other I think we're we're very open with each other you know he's not he's not afraid to tell me you know what he thinks and I'm not afraid to tell him either so um you know I I I think that's big and uh you know I, I feel like that that's what we've learned um is just kind of kind of having that ability to really be honest with each other
2: honesty open communication are you kidding me i think william byron's on to something maybe relationships people can take this as some (laughs) advice william byron yeah right (laughs) cup winner william byron joining us here in the freak nation give us an example you and rudy maybe on the radio give us an example of how he knows you are upset
8: oh man i just think um you know he just uh he's able to see what the car does on the racetrack and able to hear my tone and you know, we had a tough week, uh, the second week of the race season, we, uh, we had a really tough race. Um, we, we had good speed, but we had a lot of mistakes and a lot of things happened uh, that put us, put us behind. And, um, you know, we, we just, we really came together instead of, instead of getting mad at each other, we just came together after the race and really over communicated throughout the week about things. And, uh, you know, that was, I think the key to our success this week was honestly just going into this week with an open mind and, um, with one goal in mind, you know, I, I really kind of got off the plane at Homestead and was just um, extremely motivated. So it uh, it's good to see it come together like that. And, you know, it's, it's awesome.
2: Is that something, though, that is easier to do at the beginning of the season versus when everybody is just tired of everything come October at the end of the season?
8: Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to build a strong foundation. You know, we, we, uh, we have a foundation together, but not yet in the Cup Series. And, you know, it's important to build that early because, you know, then it kind of it determines how your season goes. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's big that we did that early on and not not, um, you know, didn't let things get us down too much. So. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're we're on the right track for sure. And we just got to keep it got to keep it rolling.
2: So if you guys have a great relationship on the track and at the track, tell us about off the track. Who buys the bar tab, who buys dinner, okay. et cetera.
8: Ah, oh, man, I think we we swap uh, for sure. So it's you know it's good. I mean, we we get along the best when we're at the racetrack. So I mean, we we try to spend our most time there. But uh, but yeah, I mean, we you know he he's got a, a bunch of little kids and and uh, running around, so he's got his, his hands full. Uh, you know, with his time, but uh, got a great family, and I mean, they. It's just uh, it's cool to get to know him more over the year years.
4: William Byron is the NASCAR cup series winner from Homestead. You were sporting the traditional colors of the rainbow warrior number 24. In fact, Jeff Gordon mentioned that on the telecast must've made you proud to fly those colors into victory lane. Yeah. I
8: actually love the way the car looks, um, you know, on the racetrack. I think, you know, I was up in the air on how it would look. Um, and so I saw it on the racetrack and the Exalta Chevrolet just looks really good. So, Um, yeah, I I like it. I I like the matte black on the back of the car and kind of, or throughout the whole car really. Um, but then yeah, all the different colors is, uh, is a pretty nice touch. So it it looks, looks good when it's going fast. I'd say, I'd say that much.
3: Hey, that's a great point because when I, and and I'm dead serious and I think a lot of people are this way. When you wash your car, your car feels faster. You enjoy, (laughs) it could be a brand new car and be dirty, but when it's clean, it just it runs faster, doesn't it?
8: It does. It always does everything a little better. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. Yeah, every time I get a, a in-depth car wash, my car always drives just a little better. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it is funny. William Byron, winner at Homestead in the 24, same color scheme that Jeff Gordon used to win championships when he was racing. In the booth, Jeff is quick to note, when you have success in the same color scheme that he had, have the two of you talked about that?
8: Oh, for sure. I mean, he's never had a chance to see me, you know, race like that and and broadcast it. So I think that, that part in itself was, uh, was cool. And I think, yeah, I'm just getting a chance to watch the race back, but (laughs) seeing some of his commentary and Clint's commentary and, uh, some of the things that, you know, it was almost like he was in a car with me. So it was, uh, it was cool to see that. So I, I was pretty excited to, to be able to do that in front
2: of him. What are you thinking so far of I mean I don't know if you've been able to watch every race yet even though there's only been a few of the booth with Clint Boyer in it. I mean, from our perspective, we love the camaraderie that Clint has brought to that booth. What are your perspectives from a fellow driver?
8: Yeah, I like it. I mean, I think Clint, you know, he communicates in a in a good way. Obviously, it's funny, but yes. he's got a lot of knowledge too that I think people took, you know, probably didn't understand or know that he was going to bring those things, you know, they knew he was going to bring the comment, the, the funny part, but um, I feel like there's a lot of detail that, that he, you know, he's relevant and he's, he's raced in the sport very recently. So he knows exactly what the cars are doing and knows, knows, um, you know, exactly what they should do.
3: You know, William, this is a great question for you. And I think you can help me out with this being a younger driver in the cup series, Lucas hole Studios, speed freaks on a Sunday night. Now that you are basically in the playoffs with this win so early on in the season, do you think you're going to drive different from this point forward versus someone that you know is gripping trying to get in the last couple of races?
8: Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I feel like we're we know kind of the blueprint of what you know we need to do for this weekend um, is very similar to this past weekend, but I mean, I think we will take more chances um, on pit road and. The guys will probably have some faster pit stops because there's less pressure. So, um, you know, I think those things will hopefully be there, Um, you know, and we've just got to continue to improve because we want to be where the nine team was last year and, and be doing the things that they were able to do. So we've got a long way to go to get, you know, I think Chase had five wins last year. So we've got a long way to go to be a championship type team, but I think we're on the right path.
3: Is there a friendly competition between you and Alex, to see, who, to see who gets the most wins for Rick Hendrick, or who may get that record-setting win to surpass Richard Petty in the near future?
8: Yeah, I think I think a little bit. I mean, we always want to compete against each other um, to be to be better. So yeah, we're we're always trying to make each other better, but also compete hard on the track.
3: Well, you've only got 91 more to go until you tie Jeff Gordon.
8: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Long way to go.
3: <laughs> William Byron, NASCAR Cup star, driving number 24 for Rick Hendrick with big win in Homestead. Buddy, thanks for doing this, man. Good luck to you the rest of the year, man.
8: Yeah. Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Again,
3: William Byron grabbing himself an eight spot, top 10 in Las Vegas, and, of course, teammate of winner, Kyle Larson. William Byron here in the Speed Freaks Pits, the Lucas Oil Studios. If you miss any of that interview or any of the show, go to the website, speedfreaks.tv. We'll have it up there for you tomorrow morning. Coming up next, Mario Andretti. 50 years ago yesterday, Mario Andretti grabbed his first Grand Prix win in Formula One in South Africa. He joins us next, Speed Freaks Pits and the Lucas Oil Studios.
4: It's the man. Let's get it. Oh, no. Five years ago, when Gene Haas took the American red, white, and blue colors into F1, we all stood and cheered. We'd waited decades for that exhale. Well, it's different this week. The red, white, and blue colors flying on the Haas F1 car were in the form of a Russian flag, a Russian corporate title sponsor, and a Russian driver who's caught in his own mess from an indiscretion with a woman on social media. Now I can hear all the noise. Sports is supposed to be apolitical. Tell that to any Olympic athlete who battles national nationalism every time they enter the arena. Further, there's supposed to be a ban on Russian national imagery in international sports due to a major doping scandal that makes the Haas car borderline illegal. How do you cheer for an American team carrying the colors of a nation that attacked our computer networks so thoroughly last year, we still don't know how much damage has been done? Gene Haas, I hope their money tastes sweet. Peace.
0: motorsports radio redefined somebody once told me the world is gonna roll the sharpest
9: tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape
3: of a Speed elf- Freaks on a Sunday night. Lucas Oil Studios again celebrating 20 plus years of doing this thing from the Lucas Oil Studios. LucasOil.com a great website to check out to find out all the products to keep your ride on the road. A very special anniversary this weekend. In fact, on Saturday, uh, Mario Andretti 50 years ago yesterday his first First win in Formula One in the South African Grand Prix, Mario, March
2: sixth, baby.
3: Mario Andretti joining us now, and Mario, as the years and the decades have gone by, are you still able to recollect that race and that first win and just everything that happened with that race?
9: But of course, of course. <laughs> I mean, this, uh, you know, obviously, when uh, I'm reminded of it, especially like uh, from you guys. <laughs> It brings back the fun memories, uh, uh, very important moments of my life. And as you can see, I was so interested in, um, you know, in in the Formula One aspect. And I was uh, just getting my feet wet and uh, fortunate enough to be in a Ferrari, even though it was the third car on the team. Um, Still, uh, you know, to be able to pull it off uh, and, and win my first race with Ferrari, uh you know, it was, it was like uh, pretty much uh, accomplishing part of my dream, the dream I've had, uh, you know, since I was just a teenager.
4: Mario Andretti is a longtime friend of the Freaks and maybe the greatest driver ever in the history of man. Mario, you talked about a third car. A lot of people don't think of what the third car designation means. They know about the top driver, the second driver, but a third car. What's that about? Well, basically,
9: what I'm saying about a third car is that uh, a team like today is usually composed of two cars. You know, a two-car team. Um, every Formula One team, even today, is basically two cars, two drivers. And uh, and when in those days uh, they were able to, um, you know, to add a guest driver, uh, you know, and that's really what I was, uh, Mr. Ferrari. Uh, just, uh, you know, I had enough pull with the FIA that he said, I'm going to enter a third car with a guest driver. And that was it, you know, and that's how I actually, uh, debuted with Lotus, uh, in, you know, three years before and in, in 1968 at Watkins Glen, you know, as a third car, I put the car on pole. And, uh, and uh, again, today, uh, I wish they were doing that today. I think it would, uh, uh, it would be great, um, I think, uh, I think publicity for Formula One, even by allowing, you know, in uh, each guest country, each country that they visit, you know, to potentially have, uh, uh, a, a guest driver of, uh, of, can you imagine coming to the U.S. Grand Prix and, and having one of the, uh, you know, IndyCar drivers, uh, you know, to participate with one of the top teams, you know, uh, you know how much attention that would draw. So, you know, so that's what it was. I was, um, you know, the third driver on the team, and uh, Lord and behold, you know, <laughs> I was the one that won it.
2: Did you know that the Ferrari was powerful enough to take that win? I mean, I know that the race was dominated elsewhere, but you led the last part of that, that race, the South African Grand Prix. Did you know that the Ferrari was capable of doing that at that time before you entered the race?
9: Well, crash, obviously. You, you, you can only hope. You know that you're with a, definitely with a top team. You know, Ferrari was always uh, a protagonist, uh, you know, and in, in no matter what in Formula One, you know, over over the years to today, but, uh, um, yeah, the car was definitely competitive. Uh, it was not, uh, you know, uh, anything that, uh, you could say, okay, for sure. I have a superior car because, uh, the McLarens at the time were very strong as well. In fact, uh, it was a McLaren that was leading until I took over, mm-hmm. you know, with Dennis Holm. And then, but the big satisfaction that I derived from that win was that, uh, uh, with, uh, Jackie Stewart finished second to me. So, you know, here's an established, uh, you know, world champion at the time. And so, you know, we pretty much, uh, felt that we were ahead of the best. And, uh, and so the satisfaction continued, you know, two weeks later, I won both races at the Questor Grand Prix, you know, with Jackie Stewart finished second to me then, you know, so uh, it was, uh, you know, it was very satisfying uh, time of, uh, of my career, for sure.
2: March 6th, 1971, we're talking to Mario Andretti, the driver of the century. Of course, that was last century. He's still the driver of the century. He's the driver of every century. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> talking to him on Speed Freaks on a Sunday night. 50 years from your first Formula One win. It was just two years ago. We were talking to you on your 50th anniversary of your Indy 500 win. And you've talked to us many times about how you went from IndyCar to Formula One. But can you kind of, in a nutshell, tell that story again for people who don't or maybe not, uh, don't understand?
9: Well, you know, very quickly, you know, my love for for uh, motor racing uh, started when I was still living in Italy. You know, as a young lad, a young teenager, uh, I was 15 years old when we came to America. But uh, uh, basically, uh, Formula One was the, the, the type of racing that uh, I fell in love with because of, uh, you know, Ferrari, Maserati, Alfa Romeo, and the current world champion in the in, in mid-50s. And then, uh, so, uh, when I started racing in America, I just always had an eye to uh, uh, to somehow uh earn my way into Formula One someday. And uh I could have been very satisfied with my career uh here in Indy Cars and then having had opportunity to drive sports cars and then, you know, some stock cars and have some success there as well. But Formula One was always in the back of my mind. And um and so again, that's how it started for me. I, I did it at part time because I had too many commitments here. There things were really going well here for me. But ultimately, I felt that um, you know somewhere, God willing, during my career, I would have the time to uh, devote full time to Formula 1 and uh, and we did and and obviously uh, we accomplished uh, my most ambitious goal you know to win the world championship.
2: Oh, I know precisely how you were able to make enough time to do this. You flew the freaking Concorde, you had a helicopter <laughs> take you from Pennsylvania to JFK, land on the tarmac, load you into the Concorde and fly overseas. It was amazing the transportation you had back then.
9: Yeah, you're right. You know, uh, it really is. Uh, you talk about uh, modern transportation, uh, and uh, I experienced that at, at its very best. Because, uh, you know, I could, I would go from here to, uh, you know, from Nazareth to somewhere in Europe, uh, you know, London or Paris, uh, just like going to Chicago. You know, it was just, uh, <laughs> uh, it was just a kick. And uh, you know, in, I keep saying, my but it's true. In 1978, I had 24 crossings that year. That year alone, in a Concorde, uh, you know, during that season, because I was, you know, Formula One. I was driving uh, for Roger Penske in Indy cars and then the IROC series. And between testing one thing and another, I was in and out of Europe. You know, it seemed like every week, every you know, at least once a week.
4: Mario, as your Formula One career was heating up, you had enormous obligations and commitments to racing here in the United States, but you always wanted to run Formula One. You had success at it, showing that you could do it. Why didn't you move to Europe for a couple of years? Maybe get that out of your system. Turns out you won a championship in 78. Why didn't you just leave and go there for a while and get that done?
9: well uh that's a good question I think it was always suggested but uh, I, I just wanted to do it my way um, you know my home uh, was and it would always remain here i didn't I didn't feel like I wanted to relocate because I wanted to keep stay in touch with the with the racing here that's why I kept driving Indy cars because I felt that uh, you know uh, sooner or later I might my my career would definitely wind up back in the in the states so uh I, I like i said uh you know you you can uh a lot of people just uh you know thought that it was uh, they had the better idea but uh it was my idea that it worked for me so um and and it definitely worked
3: mario can you hang around for another segment
9: My pleasure guys always
3: cool. Uh, The greatest driver in the history of mankind. We continue on with Mario Andretti. That's next. Speed Freaks Pits and the Lucas Oil Studios.
0: Speed Freaks. Motorsports Radio Redefined.
3: How about this, Freak Nation? No matter how big your car or truck is, nothing in your engine takes more abuse than its oil. But with Lucas Heavy Duty Oil Stabilizer, your engine oil will last longer to do the job it was designed to do, protect your engine, and offer peak performance. Lucas Oil Heavy Duty Stabilizer, it eliminates dry starts, lowers engine temperatures, and prolongs the life of your oil up to 50%. Hey, man, don't let your engine be caught dead without the protection and performance of Lucas Heavy Duty Oil Stabilizer. That's right. Keep that engine alive with Lucas Oil.
5: Transmissions are one of the most complicated and expensive components in your car or truck. Don't let leaks and low fluid make a bad situation even worse. Use Lucas Transmission Fix in your older car's transmission to stop slipping, hesitation, and rough shifting. Lucas Transmission Fix was specially formulated to make your automatic transmission perform like new, and it actually eliminates most leaks. It also works on light-duty manual transmissions to increase shifting ease and transmission life. Shift your problem to Lucas Transmission Fix. Lucas Oil. It works.
6: Your soap is ugh, And your body
3: wash is a synthetic detergent But you're not a dish You're a man Switch to Dr. Squatch Natural Soap for Men For men who build things Open pickle jars on the first try Slay dragons And let their daughters braid their hair Men who like to feel good and smell Titillating Dr. Squatch takes you places you never thought you'd go Naked What up, it's Kenny Sargent, and have you checked out Speed Freaks' website lately? It's speedfreaks.tv, and it's where you go to download all of our radio shows and our featured podcasts. Plus, it's where you can register for a new set of rubbers from General Tire. Go to speedfreaks.tv, hit the General Tire giveaway banner, fill in all the needed information, and bam, you might get a call from the freaks about rolling on a brand new set of General Tires. Leave the road and take the trails on a new set of General Tires and our website
0: at speedfreaks.tv. You're listening to Speed Freaks. Motorsports Radio. Redefine.
3: You're back with the Freaks, and we continue on with our second part of our interview with Mario Andretti. Fifty years ago, March 6th, yesterday... Uh, Mario Andretti won his first Formula One Grand Prix, well, his first Formula One race, South Africa Grand Prix, and he continues on with us here in the Freak Nation. Statman, go right ahead.
4: So Mario, we're celebrating your 50th anniversary of your first Formula One win, came in South Africa, but success didn't tumble out of the box after that. It was a couple of years before your next win, and then another couple of years before your championship. There's always frustration to a driver when he doesn't win, but did you ever question your ability to do that at that level?
9: No, I, I think uh, uh, all along, you just have to uh, stay on the positive side, obviously, there were times when I didn't have a very competitive car, like you know, when I was in a march and so forth. but uh, uh, all in all, uh, I always felt that uh, you know somehow with the right equipment, uh, you know, I could get the job done. you, you got to feel that way. Otherwise, you know, you're beat before you start. So um, I always stayed positive in my own mind without really uh, trying to uh, analyze the situation in depth because sometimes if you analyze too much, you can talk yourself out of things, you know. So I just, uh, even days where I've, you know, realistically, uh, you know, if I would have analyzed it, I have no prayer of bringing anything home today, anything shiny anyway. And, uh, and yet you go out there and you do your best and sometimes you surprise yourself. So, uh, that's the way I've always dealt with my life and my career. Um, and when good things happen, just gave me more courage, you know, more confidence to just keep going and keep trying to get better and better.
4: Speed Freaks on a Sunday night. We're talking with our longtime friend, Mario Andretti. Mario, you're sounding like a Tony Robbins. You're talking about your passions, what motivated you, what got you to the top of your industry. Who really did motivate you? Was it drivers, your parents, friends, people we don't know? What motivated you to keep you going when the lights at the end of the tunnel weren't always success?
9: Well, I think it's something I developed out of, uh, really the burning passion, you know, to pursue something like this. And, uh, uh, certainly, uh, my dad, excuse me, wasn't, uh, very helpful in that area because, uh, uh, he certainly was not a race fan, but he, uh, he knew all about the dangers of the sport, especially in those days where, uh, uh fatalities were, uh, you know, just, too often you know publicized and uh so you know it wasn't from him, in fact, the fact that he um almost you know it would have been um uh, would have stood in a way we didn't, couldn't even tell him that you know that we were but sometimes when you can't have something, you just want it even more yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh there was nothing that could interfere with my desire you know to pursue this, and no matter what you know so. there's always uh, some negatives you have to overcome. But uh, again, um, I never allowed that to stand in the way. You know, you always uh, you get knocked down. You just um, you get up, brush yourself off and keep going.
2: You know, that's another funny story or or how you and Aldo would hide this from your parents. Can you talk a little bit about that? You guys (laughs) as teenagers in Pennsylvania and how you would go wrench on cars or, or do figure out your passion without your parents knowing?
9: Yeah. I mean, uh, the the first season, for instance, uh, where Aldo and I and, and four other buddies, when we built the first stock car to race locally, um, you know, we didn't dare. We didn't dare uh, <laughs> tell my dad, you know, anything about it. Um, and then uh, here we go out there, and we were winning some races. In fact, <laughs> uh, right here in Nazareth, in our hometown, Aldo and I won the first race. It was in the papers, but uh, the uh, the, what what the buffer that we had was that my dad couldn't uh, could hardly speak English by then. You know, I was only you know uh, four years after we arrived in America, and uh, and he couldn't read English so. It's only people like his boss at work would say, "Hey, Gigi, you know your kids are really doing well." He had no idea what the hell he was talking. The guy was talking about, so he thought he was just, uh, you know, praising him for his work. So, um, you know, uh, that was it. But um, like I said, uh, Aldo and I still we went about it and uh, and uh, and got you know a lot of work. Good, good things done. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he found out when Aldo got hurt at the end of the season, but uh, yeah. that's another story.
3: Mario Andretti joining us here in the Freak Nation 50 years ago this weekend, his first Formula One race, South African Grand Prix. You've got Italian drivers and former champions Giuseppe Ferrina and Alberto Ascari. Were these drivers that you knew the history of, these former world champions from Italy, you knew all their history and you... You admired these drivers or you didn't know much about those two former champions?
9: No, I mean, that, those were my idols. Uh, I Mm. mean, that's how, you know, I became so impressed and enamored with it, you know, along with my brother Aldo, you know, we were both uh, all in and just following uh, as kids, you know, you just, uh, uh, you you always have to have someone to, to root for and, and for me, it was Alberto Scari. There was something about him that uh, was cool, just the way he was, uh, you know, being uh, labeled by the press and so forth. Uh, I just, as far y'all, I want to be like Alberto Scari, and uh, <laughs>
1: and
9: and that's it. I mean, he was uh, so responsible, you know, for giving me uh, all of these ideas and uh, at the time, you know, to something to pursue the impossible dream, if you will. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, that's that's how it all started. That's the important part.
3: Did you have a chance to meet those guys uh, early in your career? Were they alive? I, 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 pardon, pardon me, I don't know that that answer.
9: Well, quickly, uh, Alberto Scotti was uh, he was killed uh, the uh, the year before we came to the to the states. And uh, no, I never had a chance to meet him. However, mm. however, uh, back I think in '92, I had uh, the honor of inducting him in the uh, International Hall of Fame, a Hall of Fame which I was inducted to uh, wow. two years before. So yeah. who would who would have thought, you know, when I was 15 years old watching him race in Monza, that, that he and I would share the same Hall of Fame and all of that. You know, it's amazing when you look back how life could evolve and things that could happen. And uh, that's why it's never the impossible dream. You know, for anyone, if you have a dream, pursue
4: an ambitious one just go for it mario andretti we're at the 50th anniversary of your first formula one victory in south africa it's a different time in world history different time in south african history you came there as a, a driver born in italy but you were an american citizen you were brash you were loud you were an american and you were good were there any undertones racial undertones? personality undertones that maybe got in the way of your comfort level in the paddock in Formula One?
9: Quite honestly, I never really pay much attention to that sort of thing. Uh, Never experienced. The only thing, I was called some nasty Italian nicknames by uh, Foy, AJ, or or Bobby Unser, but other than that... Other than that, everything was cool. You know, it's, uh, I Like I said, uh, that's the part that uh, was never, certainly never a negative and never really, you know, never felt there was anything different there. I just blended in with everybody else and... uh <clears throat> And that's that was the beauty of it. Actually. No,
3: Mario, you did not blend in. Come on, buddy, you didn't blend into <laughs> well, crap. I tried.
9: I tried. I tried.
2: <laughs> just think, AJ and I are BFFs right right now. <laughs> that's true. I just want to know who taught AJ Italian.
9: <laughs> well, he knew that he, he knew the the nickname to call me so. <laughs>
2: Was it the one you taught me? Don't worry, I won't say it. They <laughs> yeah,
9: call me a guinea.
1: Uh-oh. Oh no! Just gonna oh, let no. that settle. <laughs> 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 uh,
3: Mario Andretti, when you grabbed that first win, did you know uh, that was was that the point that you said, "I am, I'm here, I've arrived, I've, I am here i have arrived i i do not need to prove anything else, I, I deserve to be in a in a number one seat."
9: Well, I don't know if I ever thought of it that way, but, uh, whenever you can achieve something like this, uh, throughout your career, you, you gotta, uh, you, you, you know, your confidence level, you know, just comes up, which, uh, is what you're looking for. Um, you know, after all, uh, you know, you, you always measure it up against the best. And, uh, and if you can somehow belong in the same, uh, Bring results in the same circle, you know. It's uh, that's that's what the ultimate satisfaction is, and uh, and yeah, you know, the, yeah, you come back and you think, you know what, uh, things are okay. You know, <laughs> I think I can deal with these dudes. You know,
3: Mario, we try and compare generations, whether it's quarterbacks, you know, quarterbacks from the '60s and '70s to. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, and we try and compare Mario Andretti and drivers back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s to current drivers in this day. Is that fair comparisons or unfair comparisons?
9: No, I, I think it's a fair comparison. I always said that uh, uh, drivers of uh, yesterday's drivers would be. Uh, no, yesterday's champions will be today's champions and vice versa. I think, uh, uh that what it takes, what it took, uh, 20, 30, 50 years ago to get the job done, the desires, all of the, the, uh, the, the work that goes into it and, and the passion, uh, that it drives you uh, it worked then it would work today mm. the only difference today obviously uh, things are more technical you know more because uh, you know times have evolved And uh, but um, you know so the equipment uh, the tools uh, you have in your hands are probably uh, better but then again uh, the job is the same to try to get 100% out of what, what you have in your hands like you know even football okay the football is the same but and uh, there's the more is known about the, the certain techniques and, uh, and, and all of that. So, again, um, I think as much as things change, they remain the same in that aspect.
3: Mario, the number of times you've come on our show, you've talked about those that you've lost while you were racing in Formula One. Did you have a will when you ran your first or won your first Grand Prix?
9: Did I have a will?
3: Did you have a will? A living, like a
2: living will. A, 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 a
3: living will. Did drivers have wills back then?
9: Yeah, well, all I was worried about, uh, you know, uh, at the time, uh, to, to, to try to earn enough so uh, my uh, my family would be taken care of, you know. Right. That's, uh You know, I always said I, w- I would have uh, raced for nothing, for free, you know, but, uh, but I always tried to go for, uh, you know... the, the, the <laughs> the best contracts i could could uh, negotiate and uh a lot of that uh i think was uh to, to think about the my family in case something happened uh, uh we were you know touched too many times too close i mean i lost uh so many so too many close friends that um you know i had uh, met the untimely death where you know the that said they left the young family behind them and uh So those were obviously things uh, that, uh, Mm. you know, you had to be uh, thinking about. Uh, I didn't dwell on those negatives, but at the same time, I felt the responsibility. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I I felt uh, pretty much that uh, all along I I did the best I could, you know, to to be able to provide, you know, for this family just in case uh, something, you know, like that would happen to me. Um, and fortunately, uh, uh, you know, so far, uh, you know, it hasn't, you know, I was spared. I, mm. uh, I don't know why I was able to dodge so many bullets, you know, I guess, uh, people were praying for me and, and, uh, I know that, uh, take nothing for granted, blame me. I know how fortunate how lucky I've been, you know, but at the same time to go back to your question, um, uh, 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 did I have a formal will and so forth, uh? I don't think so. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, uh, you know what? <laughs> the estate was not that great, <laughs> big, you know? <laughs> right. So, um, uh, but, uh, again, you know, that, uh, I had good families on my side and my, uh, the end side, my wife's side. And, um, uh, I think everything would have been <laughs> still okay, you know? Uh, so, uh, but, <clears throat> but, but that was a, a concern of mine. Believe me, it was, uh, because, uh, uh, i had seen you know other mm. things that uh, from my friends that were not so pleasant
3: maria is it true that you wanted to name michael enzo
9: <laughs> no no i don't know where that came from i'm <laughs> just making that from up. kenny's
2: no. bizarre brain
9: <laughs> no my wife would not have let me
2: <laughs> it is interesting though our daughter who is seven there are so many enzos in her class first grade class Second grade, third grade—it's bizarre to me. There's so many <laughs> Ferrari fans. <laughs> well, Mario, before we let you go, your biggest fiftieth anniversary was it your Indy five hundred win in nineteen sixty nine or your first Formula One win in nineteen seventy one?
9: Oh, don't put me on the box like that. No, I think, <laughs> think they, uh, think they're all important. Believe me. On that, on that given day, I mean, they're all something that. Uh, uh, you know that uh, you jump out of your skin for I mean it's uh, yeah uh, I uh, have a tough time you know saying this is better than the other it's just uh, uh, I've been so like I said so blessed and uh, and uh, each one has got uh, its own flavor and, uh, and 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 my total appreciation for everyone that uh, helped me uh, accomplish
2: all of that. That's fair. That's yep. absolutely fair because they were both incredible.
3: Well, buddy, let's uh, let's let's hope that we're all still around and we can celebrate another freaking uh, anniversary next year, whatever the hell that might yeah, be. We'll right?
9: Celebrate fifty years of uh, this interview. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, maybe 50 days uh, at the we'll Indy 500 we'll, we'll find you in May somewhere
3: <laughs> Mario yeah, it's a, this is always awesome and, and we know your time is valuable thank you once again for being a part of Speed Freaks buddy
2: my
9: pleasure guys always
2: awesome thank you so much
3: see you buddy
8: all the best
0: Speed Freaks Motorsports Radio Redefined From the Lucas Oil Studios, driven by General Tire. It's Speed Freaks. freaks. Motorsports radio redefined with Kenny Sargent. We love the party.
2: Crash Gladys. What are we doing for the Bachelorette party? Man, I am
0: freaks. serious. Here's the freaks.
3: Freak Day should coming up this hour. Adam and Tick now, Supercross star. Yeah, I, he's injured right now, but um, Supercross star and big-time musician. You don't want to miss this interview. Always legendist when he rolls here in the Freak Nation. Curious who he would choose. He, he's a big fan of music, and you're going to hear some of his new music during this interview.
2: Oh, that's right. He's I'm, he's good.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him straight up, man or Statman, man, one of us about. Uh, would he like to close Coachella in front of 100 150,000 people or win a Supercross championship last lap in Las Vegas? Curious which one he's going to go with. Wow. Kyle Larson with the big win in Las Vegas. Speaking of uh, earlier this afternoon, uh, Statman, uh, I could hear you. We're out here in South Texas, South Padre Island. I could hear you cheering for that uh, Kyle Larson win. Uh, yeah, I'm
4: sure, that's what you, I'm sure that's what you heard uh, in between the waves and the beach. And the uh, sun and uh you know the sand. I I'm sure that's what you heard. Yeah. Yep.
2: The battle of Statman and the Kyles. That's
3: true,
4: man.
2: <laughs> you know? <laughs>
3: that's right. Were you did you cheer against Kyle Le Duke back in the day on off-road?
4: No, I didn't. Kyle Le Duke was always <laughs> nice to me, so uh, you know, he was cool.
2: that's true. And Kyle Petty. You and Kyle Petty have a good relationship.
4: Yeah, and Kyle Petty, good. exactly. So I'm not I'm not against all Kyles, like I am against most Beverly's what
2: <laughs> What do you have against beverly
4: i never every beverly i've ever met was a flake
2: <laughs> sorry not sorry when to all you, the beverly's listening when did
3: you
4: learn your lesson stat
3: man <laughs> how many beverly's did you have to go through
4: i don't know it only took a couple i, I was what? at a restaurant once and a guy was Talking with a woman named Beverly behind me. and It was all I could do to turn her and not turn around and tell him, dude, give it up. It ain't worth the trouble. I
3: don't know. My girlfriend in sixth grade, Beverly Wheeler, she was pretty good. She was pretty pretty good. What the heck? Good. Wait, in sixth grade, what
2: is good? Wow. Sixth
3: grade. She was pretty cute. cute. I ended up breaking up with her, I think.
2: So another Beverly bites the dust. I didn't
3: think she wanted. I, th- I think it's because she didn't want a French kiss.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> oh, can we please have a Beverly call in and redeem yourself?
3: <laughs> but I did. Get, I did get my first French kiss. I think it was that that summer, or either seventh grade summer, from Sherry. I can't think of her last name, and it was it was otherworldly.
2: I, it was, oh, I, Sherry!
3: I just—I did—I don't want to say I felt violated. I just—I <laughs> I
4: just thought, really, is this what? I wonder what Sherry's doing now. That's what we want to hear from. We want to hear from Sherry. Forget Beverly. We want to hear from Sherry.
2: <laughs>
4: Maybe she's the one that triggered the four seasons. You know? Oh, Sherry.
2: So there
3: you go, Freak Nation. We are speed freaks. We do talk motorsports here in the Freak Nation. <laughs>
4: we think. Once in a while. Yeah. yeah.
3: Just, don't, just don't say your name is Sherry or Beverly.
4: No,
2: Sherry's good. It sounds like, I mean, some violations are nice, and it sounds like that one was.
3: It was in a dark, it was one. You no, know what it was? It was spin the freaking bottle. Oh, it was. Your it,
2: first French kiss was during Spin the Bottle? Yeah,
3: and it landed on me. So that Sher- means everybody's watching Because I you. knew Sherry was already well advanced in her years, and I knew if it landed on me, it's like, oh, my gosh, here we go. I got to commit. Bam. She and
4: was every- in the sixth grade and you were in the fifth. Is that what it
3: no, was? No, I think it was either summer of sixth grade or summer of seventh grade. I don't remember. What, it was one of the two.
2: Okay, so hold on, though. But everybody playing the game watched you. So you were also not just being – Quasi i violated by a sherry the very experienced french kisser but you were also under the microscope with everybody watching i it. think
3: we had black lights going on too so yeah it was what? It, yeah you, you know what black lights are yes i do okay did you ever have a black light stat man oh
4: yeah yeah i mean all we got to do now though is come up with a sherry beverly kyle and um <laughs> have that be a guest on the show one night we had we got to make that an automatic person on a Un, un, unidentified freak.
3: Yeah. SBK! Oh, my. You're in the Freak Nation. Uh, I promise you we're going to talk some motorsports. <laughs> no, you don't. This don't hour. make
4: any
2: promises you can't Come up in moments, keep. Crash
3: Gladys, Pit News and Notes. Adam and Ticknap, big time supercross star, and some highlights from Mario Andretti's 50th anniversary of winning his Formula One, his first that Formula One
8: race. That was a One fun race. interview yeah. last hour. That was good. <laughs>
0: Speed freaks. We promise to suck less. Speed Freaks, motorsports radio, redefined the Freaks.
3: Bringing in another round of affiliates here in the Freak Nation. Speed Freaks on a Sunday night. How you doing? Our website, speedfreaks.tv, at speedfreaks on Twitter, Instagram, official Speed Freaks, and of course, Speed Freaks on Facebook. Crash Gladys Pit News and Notes, brought to you by our good friends at General Tire, roll on just yes discount tire tire pro big old tire tire rack.com they got them you go get them those red letter general tires bam got a big fat truck suv general tires will look fine on that bad boy do yourself a favor go to GeneralTire.com. crasher
2: all right so in the truck series in nascar in las vegas it was john hunter nemecek with the win and indycar regular connor daly catching fire Kyle Busch Motorsports, though, with the one-two in the end. That's John Hunter Nemechek's first win in four years. Crazy. In the Xfinity Series, how about Freak Nation fave A.J. Allmendinger? Twelve laps to go on the final restart, and he just cruised to the win, saying how much he loves Collegg racing and how much Colic has meant to him, and he certainly hopes Las Vegas is not his final win of his career. I don't think it will be. In the cup race, though, today, it was Kyle Larson on his redemption tour making himself the 20th different winner in Rick Hendrick's stable. But get this, out of all the drivers, and we're talking Jeff Gordon, Chase Elliott, your defending champion, no one has won as quickly as Larson has now done so in just four starts. Uh huh. Could that be some foreshadowing on some championships to come? Larson has been the king of the bridesmaids on one-and-a-half-mile tracks until today, where he won his first of most likely many more to come in Las Vegas. Supercross raced Daytona, where the crowd was limited, but for its limits it was absolutely crazy and screaming like crazy when they witnessed eli tomac grab a record-tying fifth win at the speedway supercross event and for the first time ever in this COVID world of course daytona hosted a 250 west round yeah weird cameron mcadoo snagging his first win in the 250 class with that win speaking of COVID 19 indianapolis motor speedway opened a mass vaccination site for the single dose Johnson & Johnson shot on Friday, and suffice it to say, just about everyone who is anyone in motorsports in the city of Indianapolis got vaccinated. So, all of you saying that the Indy 500 will be moved to later in the summer because the 24 hours of Le Mans was moved again for 2021. No, that's not happening. Today, we are 85 days out of the 2021 version of the Indy 500, and it will take place May 30th. The Toronto IndyCar race, however, different story probably won't happen.
3: Supercross star Adam and Ticknap and musician coming up next. Speed Freaks Motorsports Radio redefined. Hey, it's Kenny Sargent and Crash Gladys with Speed Freaks, and we know vehicles, they could be expensive. So without proper maintenance, any vehicle can break down, causing the need for expensive repairs. That's why you need Lucas Oil.
2: Lucas Oil produces the toughest and highest quality lubricants and additives on the market. Lucas products are tested on the track and the street to provide unmatched protection against the most punishing conditions.
3: Hey, no matter what you do, no matter what you drive, Lucas Oil has the product for your mechanical needs.
2: So keep that engine alive with Lucas Oil.
3: Tasha,
6: did you know Geico could save you hundreds on car insurance and a whole lot more? So what are you waiting for? Hip-hop group tag team to help you plan dessert? Aw, uh,
4: fresh vanilla, rocky road, chocolate,
6: peanut butter, cookie dough.
2: General Tire, supporting the Freak Nation for two decades.
4: It's called a tune-up in a bottle for good reason. One little bottle added to every tank of fuel is like a team of mechanics going to work. Lucas Fuel Treatment cleans and lubricates the entire fuel system. It increases power and fuel economy and burns excess exhaust emissions. Lucas Oil Fuel Treatment is the best and simplest way to get your vehicle to perform at its peak. Keep that engine alive with Lucas Oil.
3: Your MAV-TV. What up? It's Kenny Sargent, and have you checked out Speed Freaks' website lately? It's speedfreaks.tv, and it's where you go to download all of our radio shows and our featured podcasts. Plus, it's where you can register for a new set of rubbers from General Tire. Go to speedfreaks.tv, hit the General Tire giveaway banner, fill in all the needed information, and bam, you might get a call from the freaks about rolling on a brand new set of General Tires. Leave the road and take the trails on a new set of General Tires and our website at speedfreaks.tv.
0: You are listening to Speed Freaks Motorsports Radio
1: redefined.
10: I got to live it up, we had to live it down. Word travels real fast in a small town. Made a
3: couple
4: wrong turns too many to come.
3: Sunday nights are made for Speed Freaks. 20 plus years from the Lucas Oil studio. Speaking of, anything inside your engine, you got an issue? Lucas Oil's got it. What about inside your car, your interior? Lucas Oil has that too. Oh, and slick mist to keep your car fat and happy outside. That's fifty sixty-seven Mustang. Bam! Lucas Oil has the product to keep your rides on the road and looking pretty damn fly. That song you heard coming back from break, coming back around, it's from this guy, Adam and Ticknap, which I don't know if I know him more from his bitchin' music or his ride on the truck. Well, probably more from music given this year and in your injuries. Adam and Ticknap joining us here on the Freak Nation Supercross Pilot. What's the latest on your injury? Screw your injury. That's a damn good song. <laughs>
10: Thank you so much. Uh, I love my music. I love riding my dirt bike. And, uh, it's funny how the two are so in sync. You know, um, when, you know, when you're riding a dirt bike, it's really, really dangerous, especially when you're racing supercross. If anybody's seen it, uh, you know, you get hurt sometimes and when you get hurt, you gotta, um, there's not a lot you can do, but one of the things I can do is make music. So it's definitely my second passion and it takes me away from, uh, reality just like riding my dirt bike does.
4: Adam Supercross provides a lot of things to riders, including injuries and problems, challenges. Do you think you could survive all of that without your music? Um, I don't
10: know. That's a good question. I've never really thought of it like that, but uh, you're definitely right. I th- I think that my music keeps me going on my dirt bike because, you know, there's so many things that I get to let out when I'm uh, when I'm riding my dirt bike and my music kind of helps just balance everything and uh without my music i don't know i don't know if i would be able to ride my dirt bike because it's just you know it's just that it's just that something that kind of gets me away from all the intensity and breaking the bones and and all that stuff that comes with riding a dirt bike that's bad you know
3: Adam Ticknap, Supercross pilot, musician, joining us here in the Freak Nation. What is the latest with your injury, and uh, where are you with recovery?
10: Uh, I'm actually doing really good. So uh, last week in, in time qualifying, I had an accident with a rider that had made a mistake in front of me, and uh, he caused me to, to wreck over this uh, quad jump that was uh, pretty bad. I haven't hit the ground that hard in a long time. Um, I hit the face of a jump coming off about like 30 feet, 40 feet. And, uh, and I tucked the front wheel. Once I landed, I broke my collarbone in two places, uh, cracked two ribs and, uh, and did a little bit of damage on the outside of my lung. Um, I was actually really fortunate to come away with just that. You know, the doctors were like, wow, with how hard you hit, they thought I might've broke my femur, my hip also, but I got really lucky. They did surgery on my collarbone and uh that's all good i'm about a week and a half out of surgery and i can already lift my my arm above my head and i'm doing really good so excited to be back to racing i think here in about five weeks from now which is absolutely phenomenal you know my training and and all the supplements that i take and the things that i do off the bike um including my music i think it's just so much therapy and and a testament to how fast we can get back as athletes so I'm soaked to be back uh, racing here in about five weeks, and uh, I get to finish out the Supercross series.
2: That doesn't even seem possible. You have miracle worker doctors, and, or yeah, like you said, supplements. And I'm going to assume when you said supplements, you meant twisted tea because that would be my <laughs> <laughs> that would be my recovery. To be honest, you
10: better believe it. You better believe a little twisted tea, a little kickback. You know, it's it's funny. You know, you say that, and it's like it is kind of crazy to even think that I'd be back racing a dirt bike in five weeks. Like, You know, you snap a, I snap a collarbone. And to me, it's kind of like, Oh, well it's just another injury, you know? And then you, you hear about, you know, a grandma or a mom breaking a collarbone and it's like, it's literally a tragedy, you know, and it is, it is a tragedy, but, um, we're just so numb to it because we have these accidents and, and we love our dirt bikes so much that we do anything and everything to get back on the bike. And, you know, with modern day medicine and all the techniques that we know, um, I don't think that it's necessarily some things that we didn't know in the past, but now we know exactly what to do and the right way to do it. And it really makes a huge difference. You know, a lot of people, I felt like back in the day you'd get hurt and you'd sit on the couch and they said, you know, the doctor said, rest, you know, and that's the way to do it, but it's really not, you know, when, like when I got hurt with my collarbone, um, you know, two days, one day after that, I was back on the spin bike and it's so vital to get, you know, that blood pressure up and get your heart pumping to get the drugs out of your system that were in there from the hospital ride, um, you know, from the ambulance ride to the track, to the hospital. And then, you know, your body goes through so much trauma. So to get back to a regular state and get that heart rate up, and you know and stretch it and open that stuff up and then you know there's so many different bone stem machines that we have that gets blood flow to the area and also on top of that the doctors are so good at putting the collarbone back together and doing the surgery correctly and and less invasive that we can get back to our dirt bikes and get back to what we're doing so quickly
2: Absolutely incredible. Seven Deuce Deuce joining us here in The Freak Nation. Yes, his name is Adam yes. and Ticknap. One thing I don't think we've ever asked you is how did you go or why did you change from BMX racing to Arena Cross and Supercross?
10: <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Cause I oh, so really? I was like twelve years old and I raced BMX and I was actually really good. Um, I was the President's Cup national champion. And uh we always kind of rode dirt bikes on the side and uh it was like man dirt bikes are fun but i'm really good at bmx so we just kind of stuck with bmx and obviously bmx was a lot cheaper you know what i mean you get a bicycle you get some pedals and you kind of go for it and you know a dirt bike costs a lot of money so at that time you know my parents didn't have as much money to you know take me racing on a dirt bike and fix that stuff so we were on bicycles and one day you know i won the i won the ohio state championship and then right after that i kind of was like riding my dirt bike one day and i was like man this is a lot easier just twisting the throttle and not having to pedal this thing (laughs) and it was kind of like that's what started the transition i was like man i like twisting the throttle you go twice as fast twice as far and it's twice as easy but the funny thing is as little do i know nowadays I'm back on my pedal bike, pedaling more than I pedaled on my BMX bike. So that didn't quite work out the way I thought it was.
2: (laughs) All to keep you in shape. And any truth to to the rumor, right? Any truth to the rumor that your BMX career started in the aisles of a Walmart with you and your brother?
10: (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Um, I mean, when you're a kid, you know, what's the first thing you love to do on a bicycle was, was skid and my brother and I were absolutely inseparable. And, uh, I would say my mom yelled at us quite a bit. And one of the fun things that we would do was, uh, either we'd run around Costco and we'd try every sample at Costco in California or the, or the next thing was Tyler and I, every time we go to Walmart, we'd run back to the bicycles and, well, on the Walmart floors, everybody knows back in the day, they had those like white tile floors. So it was a great marker for rubber. So we'd run to the back, grab two bicycles that were the same, and we'd pedal them down the aisle. And we'd skid down the aisle as far as we could. And whoever had the longest skid mark would win. <laughs> and I swear, I, I swear the reason Walmart has the tires flat is, is because of Tyler and I back in the day. <laughs> And Ticknap rule. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome.
4: We're talking with Adam and Ticknap. Broken collarbone has him sidelined for a while in the Supercross series. Musician incredible personality Adam if we pose this question to you you had a chance to go to Las Vegas take the checkered flag win the Supercross championship or close Coachella 100,000 people screaming Adam your name which would you do your guitar or the checkered flag for a championship
10: Hmm. honestly um, if you'd have asked me 10, 10 years ago I probably would have said last lap but now it's probably coachella you know what i mean and and the reason that being is because i love my dirt bike um and i'm and my dirt bike's always going to come first but man if i got to close coachella you know i'm saying i'm probably going to be a lot richer
1: than <laughs>
10: if i if i won a supercross championship so i'd close coachella then i'd buy i'd use that money to buy a race team and then just have fun on the sickest bikes and race Supercross for the rest of my life and sing oh, songs. So, so I'd probably close Coachella. <laughs> all right. Here's
3: another one for you. You've got a two-bedroom apartment. In one bedroom, you've got bunk beds. And on the top bed, you have Dave Grohl. In the other room, you got bunk beds. In the top bed, you've got Jeremy McGrath. What room are you oh, taking? Jeremy a-
10: McGrath. It's oh. not even a question. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, that's not even a question. Jeremy McGrath all day. Like, don't get me wrong like Jeremy McGrath is the reason that I got started racing supercross. My dad took me to the LA Coliseum and I watched Jeremy McGrath win that night and I had met him in the pit Mm. and I thought he was the absolutely like, I thought he was the absolute coolest dude I've ever seen in my entire life. And then he went out and won that night and I looked up on my dad and I still remember it to this day. And I said, dad, I want to be like Jeremy McGrath and race professional supercross. And ever since that day, I knew what I was supposed to do. And now I'm racing professional supercross.
2: Does that ever stick in your mind? How much of an impression Jeremy made on you that night? And how much of an impression you make on kids these days?
10: That's, that's a hundred percent of the reason that I am who I am, you know, like, I mean, obviously not a hundred percent, but it's, it's a lot of it, you know, um, when, when you, when I remember that, you know, that night, and knowing what Jeremy McGrath did for me and how much joy he's brought to me because of wanting to race supercross and having that journey with my dad and and my family and my brother um, there's nothing that I'd ever do to take that back and uh, and to to only hope that I can do that for some kid that's out there that you know loves supercross and and might think that i'm cool, and the fact that I could do that for somebody else is just unbelievable so that's I think that's why partially that I am one of the fan favorites is because every time I see anybody, I don't care if I'm having a bad day, a bad race, um, a bad time qualifying. I make sure as soon as I step, I, step out, I step out of that Twisted T semi, I got a smile on my face and I look like the happiest man in the world because I know how privileged I am to step out and ride a full factory Suzuki and do what I do every day. There's, There's so many people that struggle in this world. There's so much stuff going on, you know, with COVID and and the election and just so many different things that the fact that I get to race my dirt bike right now in this pandemic and I get to do what I do. I make sure I cherish absolutely every single moment. So that way, when that fan or that little kid sees me, they can look up and they say, yeah, riding dirt bikes is that rad because it is, you know, you forget sometimes, you know, you get spoiled. Um, you get naive to, to what you do. And and I try to absolutely never forget that.
2: So how difficult has it been then riding in 2021 without the fans as usual? And how how can you reach out to them in different ways now?
10: Yeah, you know, uh, the only way to real re- really reach out is make sure I do all my social media stuff and, and do my videos. You know, I did this um, thing recently that opens up a little bit bo- more about my life and who I am. It's called Depth and the guys from Motor the movie did it it's on youtube you guys can check it out but um we get to see the fans now which is cool supercross has a new pod style seating and they're letting you know 20 percent capacity so i'm super happy for that and all the fans have been super compliant because i think everybody wants a little bit of entertainment right now you know i everybody yes. wants to be back at the races back in a stadium checking stuff out just getting their mind off everything that's been going on and uh And I think that Supercross is doing an absolutely wonderful job. Um, Everybody's been super happy and it's been going really smooth. So I'm just glad to have the, you know, the fans back that are back, you know, and and being in the stadium and seeing a few people. Last year when we did Salt Lake City, man, it was just, it was so weird. It was dead silent before the start of the main event. I've never experienced that. You know, it was like almost being at the practice track. It was almost like, you know, your blood wasn't pumping as gnarly as it usually is when you see those fans and you see the fire and the crowd get loud, you hear the crowd get loud. It's an unbelievable feeling. That's why I race Supercross, and, and that's part of the thing that gets me pumped up and ready to go. And, and last year it's, it's just not the same, you know, it, it's not, it's not right. You know, not, not having fans in the stadium that get to enjoy that experience with you and get to enjoy that good night of racing or that bad night of racing, whatever it is um, just being along that ride, um, with those people is is what i do and what i live for
3: adam i felt at times when i was the lone man on the mountain screaming for the peristyle to come into every freaking supercross that should just be part of every design that peristyle at the la Coliseum um, there was nothing like that and why can't we get that back at supercross
10: broham i i don't know the peristyle was just Dude, and, and I know exactly what you're talking about and why and why you thought it should be at every supercross because there was a moment, you know, when those guys went back there and somebody was battling mm-hmm. that they disappeared for a second and you knew they were gonna come out of there. And, you know, are they gonna be closer? Are they gonna be farther apart? What's gonna happen? <laughs> you know, and it's just like it was so intense and so much fun to see those guys jump into the back of it come around and then they jump out of it and you're like oh my god he's right there he's gonna get him you know and it's <laughs> i don't i don't know i thought that thing was sick i agree with you 100 percent. there should be a pair style at every super cross race just for that moment
3: <laughs> where can people get a hold of all of your music
10: um they can go to apple music spotify youtube um just search seven deuce deuce seven d e u c e d e u c e and check it out it's on all the major platforms it's on amazon music um iheart radio uh you know it's probably going to be on xm i think i've gotten on a few stations it's it's just it's crazy how much people love the music but yeah if you guys want to go check that out um get it on all major music platforms uh search it search it even on google if you have to you know it'll come up on youtube or or one of those type of websites so um, yeah, I appreciate all the fans with
3: If you had to wear a Speedo in that bottom bunk, would you still sleep <laughs> in the same bunk beds with Jeremy uh, McGrath? You
10: better believe it. I'd sleep nude if I had to. <laughs> Just don't tell Jeremy. <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> oh,
3: that's funny. Uh, buddy, it's always greatness when you're rolling Freak Nation. We wish you, wish you to get back to health and happiness here. For, well, you've already got happiness, but health here, quick style.
10: Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. And for all you fans out there listening that wanna to come to Supercross, um, you know, the tickets are only fifteen bucks um at the cheapest. The pit passes are only ten. Um, make sure you guys get your tickets pretty quick because they sell out because it's only I think it's only twenty percent capacity. And you do get to go in the pits and kind of see us. You won't get to find any signed autographs, but you get to see all the bikes uh through the window. So it's it's a pretty cool experience. I appreciate you guys having me on Speed Freaks.
2: Till next time.
10: Heck yeah. Later. Thanks, guys. It's student, man.
4: Let's get it. Oh no. Five years ago, when Gene Haas took the American red, white, and blue colors into F1, we all stood and cheered. We'd waited decades for that exhale. Well, it's different this week. The red, white, and blue colors flying on the Haas F1 car were in the form of a Russian flag, a Russian corporate title sponsor, and a Russian driver who's caught in his own mess from an indiscretion with a woman on social media. Now, I can hear all the noise. Sports is supposed to be apolitical. Tell that to any Olympic athlete who battles national every time they enter the arena. Further, there's supposed to be a ban on Russian national imagery and international sports due to a major doping scandal that makes the Haas car borderline illegal. How do you cheer for an American team carrying the colors of a nation that attacked our computer networks so thoroughly last year, we still don't know how much damage has been done? Gene Haas, I hope their money tastes sweet. Peace.
0: Sports Radio, redefined.
3: 20 years, Freak Nation, Lucas Oil Studios. Go to lucasoil.com. Check out the line of products to keep your ride on the road, inside your engine, outside your engine, inside your car, the exterior of your car. Lucas Oil's got it. You go get it. For more information, lucasoil.com. we got about two, two and a half minutes here, Stat, before we get into our highlights of Mario Andretti. I want to spend a couple minutes on what you were mentioning in your man scat. And there's so many words that we could use in regards to uh, Stuart ha- or Haas racing and Formula One. Gene Haas, yes. Gene Haas racing Haas in F4. Formula One and the sponsorship. Can can you again highlight your scat to share with the Freak Nation what is going on with the only American team in Formula
2: One? And it's shocking.
4: It is shocking, Crash. The only F1 team we cheered for. We waited uh, for years, decades for an F1 team we could cheer for. When it came out, I think in 2016, we uh, stood up and cheered. Let's, Let's hope for him. I'm a Mercedes and a Lewis fan, but I always paid attention to what Haas was doing they had a great start they worked with Ferrari and then they revealed today or this week that uh, there's new sponsorship their title sponsorship for the team is a Russian fertilizer company i'd like to see that activated in the pits uh, but uh, a Russian fertilizer company is now the title sponsor of Haas F1 and the uh, the red white and blue on the car it's not the American flag; it's the Russian flag. I think that's I think that's an affront to all of us that months after we learned that the Russians invaded our computer system, doing damage that we don't even know about, uh, and now uh, Haas has taken money from a Russian company to sponsor his F one team. It's disgusting.
2: And isn't it being looked at by the World Anti Doping Agency because? No Russian is a No Russian athlete is supposed to participate in any international sporting event for the next two years. And just in February, it was confirmed that Formula One is a part of that.
4: The uh, World Doping Water, the World Anti-Doping Agency, confirmed that they are investigating the circumstances okay. around it. The issue is the Russian flag is not supposed to appear on anything that's in international sports because of a... Uh, Uh, an anti-doping ban that that, uh, caught the Russian team. That just doesn't compute to
3: me. One thing that does compute, 50 years ago yesterday, Mario Andretti won his first Formula One race. Highlights from our interview with Mario Andretti. That's next, Speed Freaks Pits and the Lucas Oil Studios.
0: Speed Freaks, Motorsports Radio, redefined.
5: It works.
3: It's more than just a slogan. Anywhere is possible with General Tire. General Tire's Grabber X3 Mud Terrain Tire offers aggressive styling and is engineered for durability with innovative performance features that are ready to carry you through extreme mud and rock-covered terrain. For extreme traction that's ready for anything and rugged styling to match, look no further than the Grabber X3. Make your Anywhere possible by visiting GeneralTire.com today. That's GeneralTire.com. General Tire, supporting the Freak Nation for two decades.
2: Hey, Freak Nation, if the grind, whine, and squeal of your vehicle's power steering makes you cringe every time you reach for the wheel, then grab Lucas Power Steering Stop Leak. That's Lucas's unique formula that fixes most worn rack and pinions, pumps, and gearboxes, making them perform like new. Using Lucas Power Steering Stop Leak, you'll find it eliminates squeals, seal leaks, and rough spots. And get this, it's 100% guaranteed. So there's no reason to use anything but Lucas Power Steering Stop Leak. Lucas Oil, it works.
6: Tasha, did you know GEICO could save you hundreds on car insurance and a whole lot more? So what are you waiting for? Hip-hop group tag team to help you plan dessert? Aww, uh, fresh
4: vanilla, rocky road, chocolate, eating butter, cookie dough. Scoop yeah it is. Scoot, yeah it is. Scoot, yeah it is.
6: Scoot, yeah it is. Scoot, yeah it is. Scoot, shakalaka, 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 shakalaka. Scoot, GEICO, switch today and see all the ways you could save.
4: It's called a tune-up in a bottle for good reason. One little bottle added to every tank of fuel is like a team of mechanics going to work. Lucas Fuel Treatment cleans and lubricates the entire fuel system. It increases power and fuel economy and burns excess exhaust emissions. Lucas Oil Fuel Treatment is the best and simplest way to get your vehicle to perform at its peak. Keep that engine alive with Lucas Oil.
3: What up, it's Kenny Sargent, and have you checked out Speed Freaks' website lately? It's speedfreaks.tv, and it's where you go to download all of our radio shows and our featured podcasts. Plus, it's where you can register for a new set of rubbers from General Tire. Go to speedfreaks.tv, hit the General Tire giveaway banner, fill in all the needed information, and bam, you might get a call from the freaks about rolling on a brand new set of General Tires. Leave the road and take the trails on a new set of General Tires. And our website at speedfreaks.tv.
0: You're listening to Speed Freaks, Motorsports Radio, redefined.
3: Speed Freaks on a Sunday night, Lucas Oil Studios, again, celebrating 20 plus years of doing this thing from the Lucas Oil Studios. LucasOil.com, a great website to check out to find out all the products to keep your ride on the road. A very special anniversary this weekend. In fact, on Saturday, uh, Mario Andretti, 50 years ago, yesterday, his first win in Formula One in the South African Grand Prix. March 6th, baby. Mario Andretti joining us now. And Mario, as the years and the decades have gone by, are you still able to recollect that race and that first win and just everything that happened with that race?
9: But of course. Of course. I mean, uh these... you know, obviously, when uh, I'm reminded of it, especially, like, uh, from you guys,
1: <laughs>
9: it brings back the fun memories, uh, uh, very important moments of my life, and as you can see, I was so interested in, um, you know, in, in the Formula One aspect, and I was uh, just getting my feet wet and uh, fortunate enough to be in a Ferrari, even though it was the third car on the team. Um still uh you know to be able to pull it off uh and and win my first race with Ferrari uh you know it was like uh, pretty much uh, accomplishing part of my dream the dream i've had uh you know since i was just a teenager
4: Mario Andretti is a longtime friend of the Freaks and maybe the greatest driver ever in the history of man. Mario, you talked about a third car. A lot of people don't think of what the third car designation means. They know about the top driver, the second driver, but a third car. What's that about?
9: Well, basically what I'm saying about a third car is that uh, a team like today is usually composed of two cars, you know, a two car team. Um, every Formula One team, even today, is basically two cars, two drivers. And uh, and when in those days, uh, they were able to, um, you know, to add a guest driver, uh, you know, and that's really what I was. Uh, Mr. Ferrari uh, just, uh, you know, I had enough pull with the FIA that he said, I'm going to enter a third car with a guest driver, and that was it, you know, and that's how I... Actually, uh, debuted with Lotus, uh, in, you know, three years before in, in 1968 at Watkins Glen, you know, as the third car, I put the car on pole. And, uh, and uh, again today, uh, I wish they were doing that today. I think it would, uh, it would be great. Um, I think, it, I think publicity for Formula One, even by, Allowing, you know, in uh, each guest country, each country that they visit, you know, to potentially have, uh, uh, a, a guest driver of, uh, of, can you imagine coming to the U.S. Grand Prix and, and having one of the, uh, you know, car drivers, uh, you know, to participate with one of the top teams, you know, uh, you know, how much attention that would draw. So, you know, so that's what it was. I was, um, you know, the third driver on the team and, uh, Lord and behold, you know, <laughs> I was the one that won it.
2: Did you know that the Ferrari was powerful enough to take that win? I mean, I know that the race was dominated elsewhere, but you led the last part of that that race, the South African Grand Prix. Did you know that the Ferrari was capable of doing that at that time before you entered the race?
9: Well, crash. Obviously, you you, you can only hope. You know that you're with a definitely with a top team. You know, Ferrari was always. Uh, <laughs> A protagonist, uh, you know, in, in no matter what in Formula One, you know, over, over the years to today. But, uh, um, yeah, the car was definitely competitive. Uh, it was not, uh, you know, uh, anything that, uh, you could say, okay, for sure. I have a superior car because, uh, the McLaren's at the time were very strong as well. In fact, uh, it was a McLaren that was leading until I took over, mm-hmm. you know, with Dennis Holm and then but the big satisfaction that I derived from that win was that uh, uh with uh, Jackie Stewart finished second to me so you know here's an established uh, you know world champion at the time and so you know we pretty much uh, felt that we were ahead of the best and uh and so the satisfaction continued you know two weeks later i won both races at the Questor Grand Prix you know with Jackie Stewart finished second to me then you know, so uh, it was, uh, you know, it was a very satisfying uh, time of, uh, of my career, for sure.
2: March 6th, 1971, we're talking to Mario Andretti, the driver of the century. Of course, that was last century. He's still the driver of the century. He's the driver of every century. <laughs> mm-hmm. Talking to him on Speed Freaks on a Sunday night. 50 years from your first Formula One win. It was just two years ago. We were talking to you on your 50th anniversary of your Indy 500 win. And you've talked to us many times about how you went from IndyCar to Formula One. But can you kind of, in a nutshell, tell that story again for people who don't or maybe not, don't understand?
9: Well, you know, very quickly, you know, my love for, for uh, motor racing uh, started when I was still living in Italy. You know, as a young lad, a young teenager, uh, I was 15 years old when we came to America, but uh, uh, basically uh, Formula One was the, the the type of racing that uh, I fell in love with because of, uh, you know, Ferrari, Maserati, Alfa Romeo, and the current world champion in the in, in mid-50s. And then, uh, so uh, when I started racing in America, I just always had an eye to uh, uh, to somehow uh earn my way into Formula One someday. And uh I could have been very satisfied with my career uh here in Indy Cars and then having had opportunity to drive sports cars and then, you know, some stock cars and have some success there as well. But Formula One was always in the back of my mind. And um and so again, that's how it started for me. I, I did it part time because I had too many commitments here. There things were really going well here for me. But ultimately, I felt that um, you know somewhere, God willing, during my career, I would have the time to uh, devote full-time to Formula One. And uh, and we did, and, and obviously uh, we accomplished uh, my most ambitious goal, you know, to win the world championship.
2: Oh, I know precisely how you were able to make enough time to do this. You flew the freaking Concorde. You had a helicopter <laughs> take you from Pennsylvania to JFK, land on the tarmac, load you into the Concorde, and fly overseas. It was amazing the transportation you had back then.
9: Yeah, you're right. You know, it's, uh, it really is. Uh, you talk about uh, modern transportation, uh, and uh, I experienced that at, at its very best because, uh, you know, I could, I would go from here to, uh, you know, from Nazareth to somewhere in Europe, uh, you know, London or Paris, uh, just like going to Chicago. You know, it was just, uh, <laughs> uh, it was just a kick. And uh, you know, in, I keep saying, my but it's true. In 1978, I had 24 crossings that year. That year alone, in a Concorde, uh, you know, during that season, because I was, you know, Formula One. I was driving uh, for Roger Penske in Indy cars, and then the IROC series. And between testing one thing and another, I was in and out of Europe. You know, it seemed like every week every you know at least once a week
4: mario as your formula one career was heating up you had enormous obligations and commitments to racing here in the united states but you always wanted to run formula one you had success at it showing that you could do it why didn't you move to europe for a couple of years maybe get that out of your system turns out you won a championship in 78 why didn't you just leave and go there for a while and get that done
9: well Uh, that's a good question. I think it was always suggested, but, uh, I, I just wanted to do it my way. Um, you know, my home, uh, was, and it would always remain here. I didn't, I didn't feel like I wanted to relocate because I wanted to keep staying in touch with, uh, with the racing here. That's why I kept driving Indy cars because I felt that, uh, you know, uh, sooner or later I might, my, my career would definitely wind up back in the, in the States. So, uh, I, I like I said, uh, you know, you, you can. Uh, a lot of people just, uh, you know, thought that it was uh, they had the better idea, but uh, it was my idea that, it, that <laughs> it worked for me. So, um, and, and it definitely worked.
3: Mario Andretti joining us here in the Freak Nation. Fifty years ago this weekend, his first Formula One race, South African Grand Prix. You've got Italian drivers and former champions Giuseppe Farina and alberto ascari were these drivers that you knew the history of these former world champions from italy you knew all their history and you you admired these drivers or you didn't know much about those two former champions no i
9: mean that those were my idols uh, i mm. mean that's how you know i became so impressed and enamored with it you know along with my brother aldo you know we were both uh, all in and just following uh, as kids, you know, you just uh, uh, you you always have to have someone to to root for. And and for me, it was Alberto Scari. There was something about him that uh, was cool, just the way he was, uh, you know, being uh, labeled by the press and so forth. Uh, I just as uh, oh, I want to be like Alberto Scari, and uh, <laughs>
1: and
9: and that's it. I mean, he was uh, so responsible, you know, for giving me. Uh, all of these ideas, and uh, at the time, you know, to something to pursue—the impossible dream, if you will. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, that's that's how it all started. That's the important part.
3: Did you have a chance to meet those guys uh, early in your career? Were they alive? I, 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 I pardon, pardon me, I don't know that that answer.
9: Well, quickly, uh, Alberto Scotti was—he uh, was killed uh, the uh, the year before we came to the. To the states, and uh, no, I never had a chance to meet him. However, mm. however, uh, back I think in '92, I had uh, the honor of inducting him in the uh, International Hall of Fame, a Hall of Fame which I was inducted to uh, wow. two years before. So yeah. who would, who would have thought? You know, when I was 15 years old, watching him race in Monza, that that he and I would share the same Hall of Fame, and all of that. You know, it's amazing when you look back how life could evolve and things that could happen. And uh, that's why it's never the impossible dream. You know, for anyone, if you have a dream to pursue an ambitious one, just go for it.
4: Mario Andretti, we're at the 50th anniversary of your first Formula One victory in South Africa. It's a different time in world history, different time in South African history. You came there as a, a driver born in Italy, but you were an American citizen. You were brash, you were loud, you were an American, and you were good. Were there any undertones, racial undertones, personality undertones that maybe got in the way of your comfort level in the paddock in Formula One?
9: I, quite honestly, I never really... Pay much attention to that sort of thing. Uh, never experienced. The only thing, I was called some nasty Italian nicknames by uh, Foy, AJ, or or Bobby Unser. But other than that, <laughs> <laughs> other than that, everything was cool. <laughs> you know, it's uh, I like I said. Uh, that's the part that uh, was never, certainly never a negative, and never really, you know. Never felt there was anything different there. I just blended in with everybody else, and uh, and that's that was the beauty of it. No,
3: Mario, you did not blend in. Come on, buddy, you didn't blend (laughs) into crap. I tried.
9: I tried. I tried.
2: (laughs) Just think, AJ and I are BFFs right right now. (laughs) That's true. I just want to know who taught AJ Italian.
9: But well, he, he, he knew the the nickname to call me. So.
2: <laughs> was it the one you taught me? Don't worry. I won't say it. <laughs> yeah, he called me
9: a
1: guinea. Uh-oh. Oh, no. I'm just oh, let no. that settle <laughs>
2: uh,
3: Mario Andretti, when you grabbed that first win, did you know uh, that was, was that the point that you said, I am, I'm, I'm here, I've arrived, I've, I don't need to prove anything else. I, I deserve to be in a, in a number one seat.
9: Well, I don't know if I ever thought of it that way, but, uh, whenever you can achieve something like this, uh, throughout your career, you, you got to, uh, you, you, you know, your confidence level, you know, just comes up, which, uh, is what you're looking for. Um, you know, after all, uh, you know, you, you always measure it up against the best. And, uh, and if you can somehow belong in the same, uh, the, uh, bring results in the same circle, you know it's uh, that's that's what the ultimate satisfaction is. And uh, and yeah, you know, the, uh, yeah, you come back and you think, you know what, uh, things are okay. You know, <laughs> I think I can deal with these dudes. You know,
3: let's do this, Freak Nation. Mario, can you hang around for another segment?
9: My pleasure, guys, always
3: cool uh, the greatest driver in the history of mankind we continue on with mario andretti that's next speed freaks pits and the Lucas lucasol studios you're back with the freaks and we continue on with our second part of our interview with mario andretti 50 years ago march 6th yesterday uh, mario andretti won his first formula one grand prix well his first formula one race south africa grand prix and he continues on with us here in the freak nation stat man go right ahead
4: so Mario, we're celebrating your 50th anniversary of your first Formula One win came in South Africa, but success didn't tumble out of the box after that. It was a couple of years before your next win, and then another couple of years before your championship. There's always frustration to a driver when he doesn't win, but did you ever question your ability to do that at that level?
9: No, I I think... Uh, uh... All along, you just have to uh, stay on the positive side. Obviously, there were times when I didn't have a very competitive car, like, you know, when I was in a march and so forth. But uh, uh all in all, uh, I always felt that, uh, you know, somehow with the right equipment, uh, you know, I could get the job done. You, you got to feel that way. Otherwise, you know, you're beat before you start. So um, I always stayed positive in my own mind without really uh, trying to uh analyze the situation in depth. Because sometimes if you analyze too much, you can talk yourself out of things, you know? So I just, uh, even days where i you know, realistically, uh, you know, if I would have analyzed said I have no prayer of bringing anything home today, anything shiny anyway. And, uh, <laughs> and yet you go out there and you do your best and sometimes you surprise yourself. So uh, that's the way I've always dealt with my life, with my career. Um, And when good things happen, just gave me more courage, you know, more confidence to just keep going and keep trying to get better and better.
3: This is always awesome. And we know your time is valuable. Thank you once again for being a part of Speed Freaks, buddy. My pleasure, guys, always. 50 years ago yesterday, Mario Andretti with his first Formula One race, 20 plus years ago, Speed Freaks. Statman, shoot the juice to the moose.
4: And cut it loose. Yeah.
10: Mawa's going back around.
4: Yeah,
10: Mawa is going back around.
0: Speed
1: freaks, Motorsports Radio Redefined.